0: You are listening to TGTM News Number 95, recorded for Tuesday, April the 16th, 2013. You are listening to the tech-only Hacker Public Radio Edition. To get the full podcast, including political, commentary, and other controversial topics, please visit www.talkgeektome.us. Here are the vital statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at me.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in DeepGeek Geek me.
1: Hello, it's BoboBex again, and now for the tech roundup. From torrentfreak.com by Andy, dated April the 10th. New Pirate Bay Greenland domains about to be seized. In anticipation of having their Swedish domain name seized, this week the crew of the Pirate Bay took evasive action. In the early hours of Tuesday morning they switched to two Greenland based domains, but already the plan is starting to unravel. The telecoms company in charge of the says it will now block the domains after deciding that they will be used illegally. Sweden has long been associated with the Pirate Bay. The site was founded by Swedes, operated by Swedes, not to mention hosted and proxied by Swedish companies, activists and the local pirate party. Under increasing pressure, those links were strained by political and legal red tape to the point where the site's only visible connection with Sweden was its .se domain. This week, even that connection was placed into history when fears over the long-term viability and possible seizure of the domain led the site to choose an alternative. Over the course of Monday night and Tuesday morning, the piratebay.se became the piratebay.gl with the new TLD denoting Greenland, a huge country with a tiny population of just 57,000 people. But now, less than 48 hours later, the latest plan to bring domain stability to the Pirate Bay already requires a Plan B. Exact timing is unclear, but very soon the site will lose use of both its .GL domains after Telepost, the company responsible for the .GL registrations, said that it would not allow them to be put to illegal use. Quote, Telepost has today decided to block access to two domains operated by file-sharing network The Pirate Bay. End quote. The company said in a statement received by TorrentFreak, those domains are the PirateBay.gl and PirateBay.gl. We observed Tuesday that the domains had been activated and therefore immediately contacted our lawyer. The company said. The announcement was short on detail, but at the moment Telepost seemed to just set to justify their decision based on an earlier Danish Supreme Court ruling that rendered the Pirate Bay an illegal site. Greenland is a self-governing province of Denmark. Currently, the Pirate Bay's .gl domains remain operational, but the site is redirecting to its .se domain, at least for the time being. A Pirate Bay insider told Torrent Freak earlier this week that they have plenty of domain names in reserve. With that in mind, it wouldn't be a huge surprise if the torrent site makes another domain switch in the near future. Update. Queries to the .gl domain registry now confirm that both the domains in question have been officially suspended. We have another story from Andy at torrentfreak.com. This one dated April 8th. File sharers will not be held liable for piracy, Russia says. As Russia tries to find a balanced solution to the thorny issue of internet piracy, the head of a government department responsible for communications and information technology says that attacking internet users is not the solution. Speaking at the launch of a nationwide campaign to promote legal ebook purchases, Vladimir Grigoriev said that the government has no intention of holding downloaders liable or having them sent to court. Following ineffective anti-piracy campaigns and continued displays of resilience by file-sharing sites, the emphasis of copyright enforcement has switched towards educating the end-user in recent years. These so-called strike programs are continuing to spread and recently landed on US shores. While they're supposedly educational in nature, there is a massive parallel problem with some rights holders choosing to sue file-sharers instead. Indeed, hundreds of thousands of US citizens have been targeted in recent years. This situation appears to be something the Russian government wants to avoid. According to the head of a government department with responsibility for communications, his country won't proceed with holding internet users liable for downloads, despite having many millions of file sharers. Speaking at the launch of the Read Legally campaign, a nationwide initiative to encourage citizens to obtain e-books from official sources, Vladimir Grigoriev, head of the Federal Service for Supervision of Communications, Information Technology and Mass Media, FAPMC for short, said that his country will not be following the more aggressive approaches at play in the US. We do not plan to hold internet users liable for downloading as they do in the US, where owners of computers can end up in court, Grigoriev said. Russia does intend, however, to take a tougher stance with infringing sites. As reported in January, sites will be expected to conform to stricter notice and takedown standards if they are to avoid trouble. Responsibility for illegal downloads will be placed on the owners of pirate websites, Grigoriev has confirmed, adding that Russian file-sharers can expect to be subjected to advisory measures similar to those already underway in the United States. File-sharers will enter an educational campaign, he said, stopping short of elaborating on how such a project would be operated. The decision to focus on sites is something US rights holders will be keen to see in action. In recent years, there have been endless complaints from the music industry, particularly over so-called Aloe F MP3 clones and VK on Takt, Russia's answer to Facebook. To date, little has been done to stop their growth, despite fiery complaints from the USTR. Our next story comes from EFF.org, dated April the 9th by Hani Fakhoury. Can police read text messages without a warrant? San Francisco, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, EFF, urged the Washington State Supreme Court Monday to recognise that text messages are the 21st century phone call and require that law enforcement officers obtain a warrant before reading texts on someone's phone. Text messages are a ubiquitous form of communication and their context can be as private as any telephone conversation, said EFF staff attorney Hani Fikori. We use text to talk to our wives and husbands, our kids, our co-workers and more. Police should not be able to sift through these personal exchanges on a whim. They must show probable cause and get a warrant before accessing this information. In this case, police seized a cell phone during a drug investigation and monitored incoming messages. Officers responded to several texts setting up meetings that resulted in two arrests without first getting a warrant. Prosecutors have argued that no warrant was required because there should be no expectation of privacy in text messages, as anyone can pick up someone else's phone and read what's stored there. But in two related amicus briefs filed Monday, EFF argues that searching the phone for the texts without a warrant clearly violates the constitution. The state argues that just because someone can intercept a communication, you should reasonably expect that communication to be intercepted. That's a dangerous way to interpret the Fourth Amendment, said Fikori. The prosecutor's theory would eviscerate any privacy protections in the digital age. We're asking the Washington State Supreme Court here to recognise what's at stake and to require a warrant before allowing officers to read text messages on a cell phone. Venkat Balasubrami of Focal PLLC in Seattle, Washington, served as EFF's local counsel in these cases. For the full amicus briefs, please follow the link in the show notes. Next, we have another story from EFF.org, this time dated April 12th and by Trevor Tim. Huffington Post credits internet activists with major victory in stopping bad CFAA bill, but good reforms are still needed. We have great news on the last day of our week of action aimed at Congress over the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, CFAA for short, the draconian computer hacking law. Huffington Post is reporting that House Republicans put the brakes on an awful expansion to the CFAA that threatened internet rights. Even better, Huffington Post is crediting pressure from internet activists for this major victory. A House subcommittee with jurisdiction over the law, chaired by Republican Jim Sensbrenner, had planned to vote on a reform of the bill next week as part of the House Republican legislative flurry they dubbed Cyber Week, according to both Republican and Democratic aides on the panel. However, the bill was pulled back because of pressure from the internet community. All week, EFF and a host of other groups have been engaged in a week of action aimed at stopping this bill in its tracks. We started the week with a letter signed by EFF and organisations from across the political spectrum, but it's you, the internet users, who have emailed, tweeted and called Congress to make sure that your voices have been heard. As the Huffington Post reported... The move to pull back plans to change CFAA is another indication of the growing strength of the cyber community, which first flexed its muscles in a public way to block SOPA, a bill that would have handed much more control of the internet to the government and its corporate allies. It's important to remember this fight is far from over, and you should definitely contact Congress if you've not already done so. Even though the CFAA expansion has been tabled and there's reportedly no timeline for bringing it back, legislators could revive it at any moment. The Justice Department has been lobbying for these expansions for years and there's no indication that it will stop. The Justice Department has also just asked Congress for more money to prosecute computer crimes despite the fact that it's been widely accused of prosecutorial misconduct in the cases that they've already brought. Notably, it's cased against the late activist and internet pioneer Aaron Schwartz. Most importantly, we still need Congress to pass real CFAA reform that will definitely state that violations of website terms of service and employee terms of use are not crimes, and that would prevent defendants from being locked away for years for acts that cause little or no economic harm. We need to protect innovators, activists, security researchers and everyday internet users from a law that should only be aimed at real computer criminals that commit malicious acts like stealing credit card information. So please follow the link in the story, go and email your representatives to tell them your support CFAA reform. Then you can follow up with a phone call telling them the same thing. Let's ensure what happened to Aaron Schwartz never happened to anyone else. Our final story this week comes from techdirt.com, dated April 12th, by Timothy Geigner. Police search for mugger for three weeks. Internet finds him in an hour. We've discussed before the ways law enforcement groups use social media. Frankly, the general theme tends to be that they aren't very good at internetting. Whether it's mocking invasive vaginal searches or catfishing music fans with well-tread tropes, It seems the wider internet plays the web game better than the LEOs. All the while, you occasionally will hear someone in law enforcement decrying how awful the internet is and even sometimes attempting to shut down certain sites. Yet, despite being so underappreciated, the wider internet sure does love to show how good they are at catching suspected criminals. That capability was on full display in the case of a mugging in New York City where police had been searching for a suspect for three weeks before deputising the internet, which then identified him in an hour. Within an hour of Gawker posting the video of the crime on the site, a helpful commenter linked to a Facebook page that appeared to show the suspect wearing the same clothes in photos taken mere hours prior to the crime. The link led to the Facebook page of 21-year-old Aidan Folan, who had photos of him taken hours before the robbery. According to Gorka, the photos revealed the same sweatshirt the Mugger wore in the video, with large fraternity letters on the front. Commenters on the New Year's Day Daily Intelligencer site, which also posted the video, also linked back to Folan. Folan has since been arrested and charged with robbery and assault. Internet 1. Stupid frat boy crimes. 0. But the larger point is that far from the crime-inducing cesspool claimed by some LEOs, the internet is a tool that they should be using. Many LEOs recognise that utilising social media to put together suspect timelines, but the aggregate of the public internet is also a tool to catch violent criminals. Social media acts as a timeline of people's lives, accounts of their activities and now they are playing significant roles in helping to solve crimes, most notably exposing the Steubenville rape case back in January. It's worth noting that there's a difference between having the public help law enforcement find suspects and LEOs keeping watch over social media. The lesson here is that it's the not all or nothing with law enforcement and the internet. You can get the help you need without invading the public's lives. For some other headlines in the news this week, please follow the links in the show notes. These stories are WikiLeaks strikes again, website publishes one point seven million documents on US foreign policy. Athens Intermedia has been shut down, repression in Greek ensues. This podcast has been staffed and produced by the TGTM News team, editorial selection by Deep Geek. Views of the story authors reflect their own opinions and not necessarily those of TGTM News. News from techdirt.com, allgov.com, HavanaTimes.org, and rawstory.com are used under arranged permission. News from torrentfreak.com and eff.org is used under permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution Licence. News from democracynow.org is used under permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution non-commercial no-derivatives license. News sources do retain their respective copyrights. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. Here are the viral statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek. Or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in DeepGeek. Talk Geek to Me. This episode of Talk Geek to Me is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 Unpoured License. This license allows commercial reuse of the work as well as allowing you to modify the work so long as you share alike the same rights you have received under this license. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me.